I'm Taylor, and welcome to the TD Nutrition Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the TD Nutrition Podcast. This is part two of the liver health episodes. There might end up being a part three, but I'm going to see how long it takes to get through all of the stuff I want to cover in this episode, which is quite a bit. I feel like maybe it's even more than what was in part one. So I might end up doing a part three so that it's not too long, but we'll see. We'll kind of play it as we go along. So in today's episode, we are going to cover glucose and glycogen storage. We're going to talk about what different uh, nutrient deficiencies mean, ways that our livers protect us. Uh, We'll talk about the liver and our immune system and things that harm our liver. And then lastly, we'll talk about ways how you can be kinder to your liver. So starting with glucose and glycogen storage. The liver is like a storehouse for our bodies, but in a good way. It does this so that it can bring out various nutrients later so your body can absorb it like new. And it's mostly glucose that it will store and bring out later. It also stores toxins so that those toxins never reach our bloodstream and make us sick. And we're going to cover that later. The liver stores glucose because it's critical in keeping us alive. So if you hear someone telling you that glucose is bad, they're wrong. Because a lot of times you'll hear, well, that's too much glucose. You don't want to, you know, that's wrong. Glucose is needed to live. Fructose, on the other hand, is toxic and inflammatory. And so you don't want to confuse the two. Fructose is bad. Glucose is good. Glucose supports life. Fructose is typically artificially made. It's not natural. You know, you hear things like high fructose corn syrup. That's not good. But glucose, pretty much anything that we eat, our body is going to convert it into glucose because that is a usable form of energy. The liver storing glucose actually protects us from different illnesses like diabetes, for example. Think about when you get really busy and you're nonstop for an afternoon, and you don't get a chance to eat for like five or six hours. During that time, the blood sugar that you got from your last meal is all used up, so you need energy to come from somewhere. So if your liver is in good health, it will release stored glucose it has to keep you going and to save you, right? To save you from crashing, because you need fuel coming from somewhere since you haven't eaten in so long. If it didn't do that, you would get too hypoglycemic and have a pancreas and adrenal crash. Have you ever experienced that? And maybe you don't know what that is, but basically what that is is it's when you get really shaky and, you know, you kind of are dizzy, maybe you're lightheaded and you're like you haven't eaten in a while. So you kind of know that your blood sugar is really low. So that would happen all the time if our liver wasn't doing its job every time we went hours without eating. Because ideally, we would be eating every two hours. And that, you know, supports a lot of things, but it basically supports the liver in a sense of the liver doesn't have to necessarily pull from the stored glucose. It can just keep using the glucose that's coming in because we're eating consistently. But again, life gets busy. Sometimes things come up and we forget to eat or, you know, eating isn't the priority because we just have to get, you know, ABC done first. 
And so our liver's there for times like that. But if th- if that happens every day, multiple times a day where you barely eat because you're so busy, that really is unhealthy for the liver because it eventually starts to use up all the stored glucose that you have. And then you have no more stored glucose for when your body needs it. The liver stores most of its glucose as glycogen. It is stored in tiny microscopic pockets of the tissue around the outside of the liver. And then when you need it, the liver is able to convert that glycogen back into glucose so that your body's able to use it. And here's a little bit about blood sugar. So blood sugar is how our systems function. Our bodies depend on it. We're all familiar, like I was just mentioning, with that lightheaded, jittery, irritable feeling we get when it dips, like when our blood sugar is low. Blood sugar would constantly drop if it wasn't for the liver to keep us going. So I was kind of touching on that. And most of us don't have fully functioning livers to begin with um, because we have poor eating habits. So the liver really struggles to do its job and keep our blood sugar up. So say we had a perfectly functioning liver and, you know, we went times without eating, our liver would be able to kind of make up for those times of not enough food. But if you have a less than perfect functioning liver, which again, most of us do because of eating habits, it really has a hard time to keep our blood sugar up during times of not eating. So to really support a healthy blood sugar, you need to support the health of your liver. So if you're someone who has blood sugar issues, taking care of your liver is going to resolve the blood sugar issues. The liver plays a huge role in being active. And most athletes don't even really know how hard the liver works. We don't give it much thought, kind of like I was saying in the first episode, we don't really know all that the liver does. It's just kind of, it's there. Uh But really, the liver is responsible for helping you reach your goals. Um, Your training goes to a whole new level when your liver is properly functioning. The liver releases stored glucose when you're pushing your body to its limits, whether it's running a marathon, sprinting, or whatever intense activity you do. So, you know, for even professional athletes, you have soccer players, they have to sprint, run from one end of the field to the other. Basketball players have to sprint. So... Their liver function is very key to those bursts of energy and that intensity as well. Glucose is not just used for keeping our blood sugar balanced. Our livers need it. Glucose is the real fuel our bodies and our livers need. And glucose, yes, is sugar, but that's what our bodies truly need. You know, it's not the protein, it's not the fat, it's the glucose. But I want to clarify that glucose is not processed sugar. Not all sugars are beneficial for good health. Table sugar, high fructose corn syrup, and any processed sugar, they're not attached to any nutrients and they just drain our good health. They don't do anything beneficial. Glucose comes from natural sugar sources like fruits, squashes, potatoes, sweet potatoes, coconut water, raw honey, and 100% pure maple syrup. And it's actually glucose that builds muscles, not protein. And if you want to learn more about that, I did do an episode about protein and and how like we don't really need as much protein as we think we need. Because again, glucose is so much more important. Glucose is critical for cooling down our brains. And glucose is what our brains run on, not fats. We often think our brain runs on fats, but actually it runs on glucose. Our hearts also need glucose. So you don't want to fear natural sugar because all these important vital 
things in our body need it for proper function. So if we're not eating enough glucose, our brain's not going to work right, our heart's not going to work right, and the liver's not going to work right. And those are like three vital parts of our body. So really don't be afraid of natural sugar. Natural sugar, it doesn't feed candida like people are often told. And you can go listen to the episode about candida. Can fruit Natural sugar helps to keep candida in check. So you need that. You may also have been told that sugar causes fatty liver. And then, you know, you're told that includes fruit. So if you might be developing fatty liver, you have fatty liver, you may be told, okay, no sugar, no fruit. And fruit does not cause fatty liver. And as I said, the liver needs fruit to function properly. So if you have fatty liver and you're told to avoid fruit, you're actually going to make your condition even worse because the liver is going to be missing a key nutrient that it needs to function properly. You may be familiar with the saying, sugar turns to fat. What's really happening is fat turning to fat. No one eats a diet with only sugar. Like, no one eats a diet with only processed sugar even. Typically, if someone is eating a diet high in processed sugar, they're also consuming a large amount of fat as well. And it's the fat that's actually the issue. No, processed sugar is not good for you. It causes a lot of inflammation and other things. But it's not the sugar that's turning to fat. It's the fat that's turning to fat. So, and natural sugar definitely won't turn to fat. Natural sugar becomes glucose and glucose is the pillar of life and of being healthy. So don't worry about eating too much natural sugar and it turning to fat. It's practically impossible to eat too much natural sugar because our bodies will use it. And if not, the liver will store it for when we need it. And it's not going to be stored as fat. It's going to be stored as glycogen in the liver. So, you know, it'd be really difficult to eat too much glucose, like insanely difficult. Sometimes people will try to tell you that the body can't recognize the difference between natural and processed sugar, that the body treats a chocolate bar the same as a banana. And this is not true. Our bodies are really a lot smarter than that. Like we should give our bodies more credit. Like they can definitely tell the difference between a chocolate bar and a banana. Like to say that they can't is really underestimating all the processes processes going on within our body. Our bodies know that they can extract tons of different nutrients from that banana, but the chocolate bar is filled with processed sugar, which like I said, isn't attached to any nutrients. And then chocolate bars contain a ton of fat from the dairy that's in it. So again, our bodies know the difference. Our bodies know what nutrients it's looking for, and that will be able to be extracted from the banana. Natural sugar is attached to very important nutrients that you can't get from any other foods. And your liver pays the price when you don't eat enough natural sugar. So if you don't eat enough foods that contain natural sugar, that could be the source of maybe some symptoms that you're experiencing. Natural sugar is how nutrients are able to get around in our bloodstream and then to the vital organs. Fat doesn't do this. Fats don't carry nutrients around our bodies. Rather, they cause blood flow to be stagnant and they inhibit nutrients getting to where they need to go. Fats also don't help nutrients get to the vital organs. 
healthy fats do offer, offer some vitamins and some other nutrients to our bodies, but only a tiny microscopic amount compared to na what natural sugars do for the body. So, you know, you'd have a like the tiny bit that healthy fats do on one level, and then like 100 levels above that is all the great things that foods that contain natural sugars do for our body. So yes, some healthy fats are fine. Like I said in part one, you know, you'd want to have 15% of your daily calories come from fat, and that would only be healthy fats. You really don't want to consume unhealthy fats at all, even if it's a tiny bit. Even healthy fats are hard for the body to break down and to even access the nutrients that they do contain. Um, unhealthy fats are hard for the body to break down and then there's no nutrients to them. Um, but with healthy fats, yes, there's some nutrients, but again, it takes a lot of energy from the body to break them down and access that, that nutrition in them. And also remember that, like I said, too many fats in your diet gets in the way of what the natural sugars need to do for our bodies, which can leave you feeling sluggish and worsen any symptoms that you may have going on. And processed sugar plus fat is a terrible combination, and it really causes a lot of harm to the liver and the rest of the body. And this combo, if you, it's always together. If you don't think it is, it's always together. Donuts, they contain sugar and fat. Cakes, sugar and fat. Anything that has barbecue sauce on it, because barbecue sauce has a lot of sugar, and then it's typically put on um, some sort of animal meat, which that has a lot of fat in it. Burgers. French fries with ketchup, French fries are fat, and then most ketchup that you consume has a lot of processed sugar, probably has high fructose corn syrup in it. And then candy bars, sugar and fat com combined. So if you don't think you're eating a lot of this combination, it sneaks in in a lot of ways. And, and those are obviously extreme unhealthy examples, but there's even moderate things that you may eat that combined processed sugar and fat that you don't even realize because processed sugar is hidden in so many things. The liver is an organ that typically runs hot. Um, it keeps us warm when we need warmth. And what prevents our livers from overheating is natural sugar. It's like a cooling agent that you would put in your car, kind of. So, you know, you put that in the engine so that the engine never overheats. Natural sugar is that equivalent for the liver, basically. Natural sugar also feeds the liver. When you take fuel away from the liver for too long, you don't, so like you're not eating enough natural sugar, it begins to run out of steam and then other organs in the body try to step in and help, which causes them to burn out because they aren't designed to do all the hard work that the liver does. So say you're eating a diet that's pretty high in fat, you don't get enough natural sugar, your liver's gonna overheat. And no, this isn't gonna be some major thing where you're gonna like pass out and you're gonna know exactly that, oh my gosh, my liver just overheated. You won't really know, but like the your body will pay the price in other ways that are much more subtle and you kind of won't realize it till down the road that there's been an issue. High fat diets are accidentally cruel to the liver. And I bet anyone who is on a high fat or keto diet doesn't even know what they're doing to their liver. Like if, if you're following a ketogenic diet, do you know about how the liver functions? Do you know what the liver needs to be healthy? Probably not because again, most diets that people try out and follow, they never educate you on the different organs of your body and how this is gonna impact them. 
typically we pick diets based on trying to lose weight or maybe trying to improve athletic performance. But we never pick a diet because it's, you know, good for the liver or good for the kidneys. And here's a fun fact. Avocados were thought to be poisonous up until fairly recently. And avocados are kind of like a unicorn when it comes to health. They do contain fat, yes, but they also contain a high amount of natural sugar. And after all, they are a fruit, so you would expect them to have natural sugar. And avocados are the only exception to the fat sugar rule. And this is because, one, they contain a healthy fat, so the fat content does have some minuscule nutrients. And two, their natural sugar content is so high that it outshines the healthy fats. This doesn't mean that you want to go and eat a ton of avocados all the time or in a single day. It means that having an avocado in the day isn't going to harm your liver. Maybe don't eat an entire bowl of guacamole, but having a half of avocado with dinner is good for you. I wouldn't eat avocados for breakfast. Um, That typically kind of puts a burden on the body too early because you would ideally not have any type of fat in the morning time. But... It's okay to eat avocados because, again, the natural sugar content is so much higher than the healthy fat content that it has. So many trends out there have ingrained in our minds that all forms of sugar are bad. If you're on a diet with no healthy carbs from natural sugar sources, your liver is going to slowly starve. And when the liver starves, it accelerates aging. So eating lots of fruit helps with aging. Eating lots of good healthy sources of glucose help slow down aging. If you don't take care of your liver, it's going to accelerate aging. And I bet that's something that you've never heard of or never even thought about that, you know, the the health of our liver is going (laughs) to determine how quickly we age. And so I think taking extra care to turn the health of your liver around is the best thing that you can do as far as aging goes. Like no cream or filler or anything is going to do what taking care of your liver can do. Also, if every healthy source of sugar you consume is accompanied with a fat, the liver is never going to get a moment to restore itself. So what do I mean by this? An apple and almond butter. An apple is a natural form of sugar, has healthy glucose. Almond butter is a fat. Pairing those together, your liver's not going to get a rest and it's going to diminish the benefits that it's going to get from that apple. So it's important to have meals or snacks where it's just healthy sugars and no fats. And this may seem kind of odd to you because, again, like we always think we need a pair of fat with a snack or a meal to make us full. And it's not the fat that fills us up. It's the sugar, the healthy sugar that fills us up. The the glucose, that's what actually fills us up. It's not the fat. So snacks that you could have that don't include a fat would be an apple and dates, a banana. You could put honey on that banana. You could have some cucumber slices and apples. You could have any fruit, any vegetable, and dates are fine. You just wouldn't want to pair it with a fat source even if it's a healthy fat source. And you could do that sometimes, but you just want to be looking at your day and all the times you're eating and what you're eating and make sure that you're consuming healthy 
forms of glucose without a fat so that your liver can get the most out of the glucose and it also gives it a moment to kind of rest and restore. Providing your liver with plenty of good quality glucose keeps you feeling and functioning at your best. So that's the real incentive to consume lots of natural sugars is you're going to feel your best, your body is going to be functioning at its best, and your mental clarity is going to improve so much because again, having plenty of natural sugars, your brain function is just going to be so much better than it would be with so many fats. Now we're going to talk about deficiencies. It's becoming increasingly common for people to have various nutritional deficiencies. And this is the result of your liver not functioning properly. If you're told by your doctor that you're deficient in something, you should immediately start taking steps toward caring for the health of your liver. So when you have a deficiency, it should be a red flag saying, hey, I guess my liver is not functioning properly and I need to do something about it. The liver not only stores glucose, as I just explained, it also stores every single vitamin, mineral, and other nutrient that enter our bodies through our diet. The liver stores all the nutrients that our stomach and intestinal tracts convert into a usable form for our bodies. So the liver will hold on to all of these nutrients and then release them into our bloodstream so that they can be distributed throughout the body. If you're low uh, in vitamin D3 or B12, for example, it means that your liver was using the reserves of those nutrients to keep you going and now it can no longer make up for the deficit. So it, you know, it kind of saved some D3 and B12 at one point. And then if you're not getting enough of it, it has to use all the reserves. And then it's like, well, we have nothing left to give you. And then you're going to be deficient. Also, if you're experiencing gut issues and the digestive tract is in distress from some sort of condition, maybe food you ate or a virus or bacteria that may be present in the digestive tract, this means that the gut is not capable of breaking down nutrients for the liver to use. That's its job. So if it's not capable of doing that because something is going on, the liver has to use a backup plan so that it's still able to use the nutrients because your health depends on it. If, if it can't get the nutrients ready to go from the digestive tract, it has to figure out some other plan B. When the liver has to overcompensate for our digestive tracts, for too long, it becomes sluggish or fatty. And if you eat a diet high in fat, your liver is already sluggish and fatty from too much fat consumption. So there's a chance that it isn't able to compensate for the digestive tract at all. The liver can compensate for the digestive tract assuming that it's in pretty good health, but if it's not, then it really can't compensate at all, which then that leads to even more deficiencies. Now we're going to shift into talking about ways that our liver protects us. So obviously the way it's able to kind of compensate when our digestive tract is off, it, that is a way of protecting us, but it does so much more to protect us than we even realize. And our livers protect us from a variety of things from the day that we're born. Anytime you ingest aluminum particles from food baked in aluminum containers, or mold that is hidden in a piece of food, or pesticides from a food that was from a highly sprayed crop, or the plastics from a microwaved meal, or the preservatives in a fast food meal. 
or the mercury in a piece of fish, uh, or we get exposed to radiation every time we fly on a plane, or if we get a CT scan done, we're able to keep going and living our lives as if we never ingested something toxic to our well-being. If it wasn't for our liver, every time we ingested something toxic or were exposed to something toxic, we would know it. Our liver wouldn't be there to kind of save us, but it is. And so that's why we don't really realize half the toxins we're exposed to because we don't really react to them. Our liver is taking care of it until it doesn't. Although something else I want to point out is we do inherit inherit toxins in utero. So there's a chance that you may be born with a less than 100% functioning liver from the start. So... It really depends on the mother, you know, how how much toxins was she exposed to while she was pregnant? Did she eat fish while she was pregnant? Did she eat foods that had a lot of toxins in them when she was pregnant? Did she eat foods out of aluminum containers while pregnant? Did she heat food up in plastic containers while pregnant? All of these things, these toxins get into her body, then go into the body of, of you. And so then when you're born, your liver function may be at 80%, 90%. It may not be fully at 100%. And that varies from person to person. There's there's no way to know now when, you know, we're grown. But that's something to keep in mind that you may have even been born with less than 100% liver function from day one. So that's also why it's so important to take care of our livers throughout our whole lives. Think about a special occasion that you want to celebrate like a birthday, a new job, a graduation, a wedding, uh, a, a baby shower, a job promotion, etc. What do we usually do? We tend to indulge in unhealthy things like ice cream filled with processed sugar and fats, cocktails mixed with mixers that contain MSG and processed sugar, cakes filled with processed oils and sugar, And we give our liver all this extra work. How many people do you know who take extra care to be kind to the health of their liver? Probably not many, if not any, right? Like, we're really good at rationalizing, like, oh, well, we're celebrating this, or oh, it's my birthday, I'm just gonna eat all this stuff. We never stop to think, well, if I do eat all this, like, what is the impact it's gonna have on my liver? And if you have a chronic illness, I think maybe it's a little bit more heightened, but I think even then we don't always think about the health of our liver. When I first got diagnosed with Lyme disease, I wasn't thinking about the health of my liver. It wasn't until I was thrust into learning about nutrition that I started to realize like, huh, I guess actually focusing on my liver is gonna have a domino effect on everything else. But really most people don't think about their liver. As we consume toxins, they typically go towards the liver. And a normal, healthy, functioning liver can typically neutralize those toxins so that they're no longer toxic to us. And by healthy functioning, I mean a liver that isn't sluggish, clogged, or stagnant. If your liver is too sluggish or overloaded, it won't be able to neutralize the toxins that are coming in. And again, most of our livers are overburdened and tired. So it's not able to neutralize the toxins coming in. And so it's going to start holding on to those toxins in an effort to prevent them from going into our bloodstream and making us really sick. So it hangs on to all of them. 
The liver has storage pockets for glucose and glycogen and vitamin, minerals, and other nutrients. And then it also has a pocket where it can hold on to toxins. But again, if we start getting exposed to too many toxins, it can only hold on to so many, and then eventually they will start leaking into the bloodstream. And that's typically when we start feeling symptoms of something going on in our body that we can't quite figure it out. So these are the mo- these are most of the toxins that our livers hold on to for us. And towards the end of the episode, I am going to go through a whole list of things that cause our liver harm. These are just some of them. Petroleum products, aspartame, dioxins, DDT, other pesticides, MSG, viruses, viral waste matter, so it's basically like the poop of viral cells, conventional cleaners, certain pharmaceuticals like opioids, gasoline fumes, molds, radiation, plastics, synthetically scented candles, perfumes, and air fresheners, exhaust fumes, and toxic heavy metals. You may not realize that the liver is continuously holding on to toxins as long as it possibly can. And eventually, it can't hold on to toxins anymore, and it winds up making you sick, kind of like I just mentioned. This is why cleansing is important, so that your liver can let go of toxins in a safe way and properly excrete them through urine and stool. Because again, sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, you know, you don't have to cleanse, you don't have to detox. But we're exposed to so many toxins on a daily basis. And after a while, our liver can't hold on to anymore. So we do need to give the liver opportunities to let go of toxins safely so they don't end up in our bloodstream. And this is also why being very cautious about the chemicals and other toxins you expose yourself to is so important. Obviously, it's impossible to avoid them 100%. And as I go through the things that are toxic to the liver later on, you're going to be like, oh, shoot, yeah, some of these things, it's impossible. And that's just how the world is. But by being conscientious about reducing exposure, it kind of takes a burden off the liver. Something that's really common is there's a time in our lives where the liver isn't able to protect us as much because it already has so many toxins that it's holding on to. And typically for women... This is when you reach the average age of 38. For men, it's 48. Symptoms like hot flashes and weight gain start popping up. And sometimes you'll be told it's due to hormonal changes. Uh, And maybe you're even told it's just due to your age, but it's really due to the health of your liver. The health of your liver is not declining because of your age. It's declining because of all the toxins it's holding on to from dietary choices and other factors. It's just overburdened. And these are the symptoms of it being overburdened. And again, that typically happens a little bit later in life because it no longer can overcompensate anymore. When our liver can no longer keep up with a diet high in fat and toxins coming in all the time, It starts to take on fat, and you may be diagnosed with something called non-alcoholic fatty liver, or maybe even just fatty liver, Um, or even maybe the liver may begin to grow a cyst or a tumor inside, or scar tissue begins to develop rapidly, which causes cirrhosis, or maybe you develop gout, uh, diabetes, uh, or eczema or psoriasis maybe even an autoimmune condition. These are all related to the liver and it's trying to tell you that it's tired and worn out and that you need to make a change. So if you have any of those symptoms or issues, 
think about changing, shifting your diet away from so many fats. When we shift our lifestyle to supporting the health of our liver, literally every other aspect of our health improves. So that's something to keep in mind. It's like one thing you have to focus on that's going to have a positive effect on so many other things. Now I'm going to talk about the liver and our immune system. When you hear the words immune system, what do you think of? Probably our body's defense against a cold, a sore throat, the flu, or even COVID. Knowing that our body is dealing with some sort of virus or bacteria is, is always as obvious, isn't always as obvious as I just mentioned. Viruses and bacteria can actually attack our organs, and we don't even know that this is happening. And in my opinion, this hasn't been proved yet, but from what I know about bacteria and viruses, I kind of think that this is why people are having long haul COVID. Like you get rid of the obvious symptoms like the fever, the sore throat, the headaches, but the virus is still present attacking the body in less obvious ways. Now, obviously this isn't true, but this is my opinion. And it, it, to me, it makes a lot of sense. The following conditions are the results of a virus or bacteria residing in the liver causing trouble. MS, rheumatoid arthritis, chronic fatigue syndrome, lupus, shingles, Lyme disease, diabetes, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, weight gain, adrenal problems, and acne. A lot of times we don't even realize that we have immune defenses on a deeper level protecting us from illnesses that have lasting impacts unlike the common cold. The liver doesn't want viruses or bacteria residing there, but when it can't stop them because it's sluggish or overburdened, it tries to at least contain them so that they only stay in the liver. So again, it's trying to protect you so that they don't end up elsewhere. And it's like, if I just contain it to this part of the body, it'll be fine. The liver contains special white blood cells that help destroy viruses and other pathogens that it may be harboring. The liver kind of has its own special immune system. And this is yet another reason why it's so important to take care of the health of your liver. Now we're going to get into the things that harm the liver. And this may seem or feel overwhelming because there's a lot of things that harm the liver. But just know that a lot of it's inevitable. If we do everything we can nutritionally and with supplements, it, it definitely takes the burden off. So keep reminding yourself of that. It's not like the end of the world. It's just also awareness is important. You know, it's good that you know that these things can harm the liver because then you can try to, again, reduce your exposure. Starting with petrochemicals. So these are things that we breathe in and they end up in the liver. So there's plastics, gasoline, diesel, engine oil and grease, exhaust fumes, kerosene, lighter fluid, gas grills, stoves and ovens, chemical solvents like degreasers, jewelry cleaner, etc. Dioxins, so these are the byproducts of chemical factory malfeasance. Even though some of it was long ago, it lingers for years and years. Lacquer, paint, paint thinner, and carpet chemicals. Next, we have chemical neuroantagonists. So this includes chemical fertilizers, 
insecticides, pesticides, larvicides, and herbicides, DDT, fungicides, smoke exposure of any kind. So this includes being around a fire pit, um, being around um, a fire that is burning a treated log or burning treated lumber. Although it's important to know that a person who smokes cigarettes will face much more chemical damage than a person who sits by a fire pit once in a while. So again, you don't have to not be in front of a fire ever in your whole life, um, but just, you know, know that that's not something you want to do every day. And then fluoride. This is a, this fluoride is highly toxic to the liver. And be aware that fluoride is in tap water and toothpaste. And sometimes they will do fluoride treatment when you go to the dentist. So you may want to tell them that that's not something that you want to get. And then chlorine. So chlorine, obviously we swim in chlorine pools, although most are becoming saltwater pools now. Um, And also bleach contains chlorine. But bleach is a natural element. So you can buy chlorine-free bleach and it's not toxic. The next category is problematic food chemicals. This includes aspartame, artificial sweeteners, MSG, which is also hidden under the name natural flavors on labels. So if something says natural flavors, it just means it's MSG. Formaldehyde. And this is in cosmetic beauty products. It's in a lot of pharmaceutical drugs. And it does what the what alcohol does to the liver, but it's actually much, much worse than what alcohol does to the liver. And then um, preservatives. So this includes any ingredients on a label that's not a whole food. The next category is problematic foods. First is eggs. And this is the number one worst food to eat for your liver. Next is dairy, although raw milk is okay for, the, for your liver. Cheese, and yes, I know it's dairy, but um, I'm addressing it separately. Uh, cheese creates diabetes. So if you have diabetes or you're pre-diabetic um, or you're trying to avoid becoming diabetic, do not eat cheese. Uh, cheese also creates fatty liver. And cheese is not a longevity food as it's trendy to say, like you'll see people say that cheese helps you <laughs> live longer um, and it actually shortens your life. So it doesn't help longevity at all. Hormones in our foods, high fat foods. So too many healthy fats are bad and any unhealthy fat consumed, no matter how little, is bad for the liver. Recreational alcohol. Uh, so First off, it's often said to consume greasy foods and simple carbs like or when you're hungover, it's said to consume greasy foods and simple carbs like bacon, eggs, hash browns, grilled cheese, french fries, waffles or pancakes. But this actually makes everything worse because you already kind of your liver took a hit from drinking and now it's going to take a hit from eating this unhealthy food that's filled with fats and processed sugar. You get hungry after a lot of drinking because it starves your liver of getting good glucose. So you sober up, you sober up and you're hungover because your liver is in dire need of good quality glucose. So you need to have a smoothie, maybe, you know, just have a bunch of fruits, replenish all that glucose that was depleted when you drank. Next is vinegar. 
vinegar saturates the liver causing a drunken effect so vinegar doesn't make you drunk but it has the same effect that alcohol does on the liver meaning it slows down the liver's ability to function correctly next is caffeine caffeine causes a thinning thinning effect on the cell walls of the liver Cells normally can recover from this, but constant caffeine consumption makes the cell wall susceptible to a pathogen or an invasion like a virus, which then can cause actual cell damage. And you can actually get rid of all the caffeine stored in your liver after just one week of caring for your liver. And, you know, you can drink caffeine sometimes, but you don't, you know, maybe try not to drink it every day. Next, oversalting our food. A little healthy salt, like sea salt, is okay, but too much salt dehydrates our cells and it dehydrates the heart and the liver and they need to maintain a certain hydration level in order to function properly and too much salt ends up ruining that. Next, gluten. Gluten feeds pathogens in the liver. You can get rid of all the gluten built up in your liver in 90 days. Corn it also feeds pathogens like uh, like gluten does and you can also get rid of all the corn built up in your liver after 90 days next is canola oil my nemesis the canola oil um, contains so many chemicals and it's super harsh on the body it weakens the liver and once you cut out canola oil it takes six months for for it to be cleansed out of your liver. So that just tells you how bad it is. Six months for it to like leave your body. So don't eat canola oil ever. Next, all pork products. All pork has high a high fat content, so it's harsh on the liver because of that, as well as it weakens the liver's immune system. And how long it takes for pork to leave the liver, it depends on how much pork was consumed over a lifetime and how much pork fat the liver has actually collected. The next category is domestic chemicals. This includes plug-in air fresheners, aerosol can air fresheners, so things like Febreze, spray bottle air fresheners, and this is like what you would spray on your furniture or something, cologne and aftershave, perfumes, scented body lotions, and certain hair products. And again, some hair products are clean, but most probably are not. Hairspray, hair dye, talcum powder, which we all now know how toxic that is, conventional makeup, and how often do you actually read the fine print on your makeup products? Probably never. The ingredients in many popular makeup brands is actually shocking, and most of it is very toxic, things that we would never ingest or even want to put on our body, yet we're putting it on our faces and often very close to our eyes. They usually contain heavy metals like aluminum and copper, and then that soaks into our skin along with the other chemicals that they contain, and then it ends up in the liver. So always read the labels of everything that you're putting on your body and putting in your body. Spray tans, that usually contains a ton of harsh chemicals. Nail chemicals, so this includes nail polish remover, the glue that they use, the polish that ends up touching our cuticles, and then the chemicals in the polish soak into our skin from the cuticles and then get into our liver. Traditional house cleaning products, unless they are like labeled as, you know, like plant-based and all natural. Conventional laundry detergent, fabric softener, and dryer sheets. 
Laundry detergent is very, very toxic. If you're not already using an all natural laundry detergent, I highly suggest you switch. Like if you don't switch to more natural products um, of like of any of the things I named, at least do laundry detergent because it actually is very toxic. And we wash all our clothes in that and we wear clothes literally every day. So you should definitely switch to like a seventh generation uh, laundry detergent or another brand called BioClean is also um, a good one. And fabric softener contains tons of chemicals as well. And dryer sheets contain a lot of chemicals and plastics. And then those plastics heat up and get onto our clothes and, and it's just not healthy. And then lastly, dry cleaning chemicals. There are organic dry cleaners out there. So you could search for one that's a little bit cleaner and not so toxic. The next category is pharmaceuticals. And this category might surprise you because a lot of times when we take prescription medication, we assume that they're um, totally safe for us to take. And that's not the case. So first is antibiotics. They contain petroleum, which I listed earlier as toxic, and they often contain heavy metals as well. So you're getting a lot of toxic bad stuff when you take antibiotics. So uh, I've encouraged this a lot in a lot of my episodes, unless it's like a serious situation and, and you know, you're in a lot of pain or something, um, take the antibiotics. But other than that, try to figure out what the problem is. And, and there are other ways that maybe you can resolve the issue without having to jump to antibiotics right away. Next is antidepressants. These contain chemicals that settle into our liver and begin to weaken the liver, which ends up leading to a more intense depression. Because sometimes when you have a stagnant and sluggish liver, it actually can lead to depression. So then you take antidepressants, which then further makes your liver more sluggish and stagnant, leading to a worse depression. So then you have to take more antidepressants. And so it's like a vicious cycle. So if you do deal with depression, trying to clean up your diet may be a better solution and you might be able to wean off of antidepressants at that point. Next is anti-inflammatories. These settle deep into the liver, weakening it, and they cause harm over time. So sometimes people will take anti-inflammatories regularly and not realize that they're causing a lot of harm to their liver. Next is sleeping pills. Those severely weaken the liver. Biologics, immunosuppressant drugs. These settle deep into the liver and weaken it. Prescription amphetamines, opioids, statins, um, which these are usually taken for high cholesterol. But what's really ironic about these is that cholesterol issues, they stem from issues with the liver. So you take something that hurts the liver, which continues to worsen the problem and not solve it. So you keep taking a drug that's not actually solving the problem. It's just making it worse and worse. So then oftentimes doctors think that, oh, we'll just keep upping your dose. And really, you're just going to continue to harm the liver more and more. Next is hormone medication. This includes hormone therapy, um, HGH, and they hurt um, the functioning of the liver. Next is thyroid medications. So these don't actually heal or address um, thyroid issues. They essentially, they're a hormone medication um, and they end up weakening the liver, which then can make your thyroid issue worse. Next is steroids. Steroids, both prescription and recreational steroids, they hurt the liver and its functioning. Next, birth control or the pill. If you take birth control, it causes liver problems 
And it starts, it's starting to happen at younger and younger ages. And this is because girls are starting to take birth control at younger and younger ages to help with things like acne and PMS symptoms when really acne and acne and PMS stem from something happening with the liver. And then you take the pill, which that damages the liver. And eventually it leads to very early onset menopause because the liver is so toxic at such like way too soon. So you're so young and now we're seeing women getting early onset menopause in their 30s, and that's definitely not normal. The, the body is, the women, woman's body is designed to support a period um, well into their 30s and 40s. So you definitely don't want to get early onset menopause. So if there's any way you can avoid taking birth control and opt for like a hormone-free contraception or something like that, um, I would definitely go that route. And lastly is recreational drug abuse. And this probably seems obvious, right? Um, but the only difference between all the other drugs I just mentioned and recreational drugs is that with recreational drugs, there's no prescribed dosage. So the harm is equally as bad. So recreational drugs and prescription drugs, the harm is just as bad. The only difference is with recreational drugs, you typically take a higher dose at once because you're not taking like a prescribed amount, right? So you're going to do damage in a shorter amount of time, yes. But the damage that happens to your body from prescription drugs is the exact same. It might just take a little longer to reach that damage, which is really kind of sad. A lot of people then rely on prescription drugs because they're not solving the root cause of a lot of their issues, and they end up doing the same damage to their body that a recreational drug user would do. The next category is toxic heavy metals, which if you've listened to my toxic heavy metal episode, then you probably already know the metals that are toxic to the liver. And that includes mercury, lead, aluminum, copper, cadmium, barium, nickel, and arsenic. The next category is radiation. Radiation is harmful to the liver. We don't really think about that. So these are things that expose us to radiation. Plane flights. Plane flights is a big one. We don't realize that every time we fly, we're exposed to radiation. And there was a study that actually found that um, like people who travel a lot for work, their lives are actually shorter than the average lifespan because of all the radiation exposure um, that they get from flying. And then CT scans, x-rays, MRIs, cell phones is another one. Cell phones do expose us to radiation. Um, and Wi-Fi modems and routers expose us to radiation. And anything with a Bluetooth connection um, exposes us to radiation, your Apple Watch, uh, any smart bulb or plug that you have at home. Um, and nutrition can help the body handle radiation exposure. You don't maybe think that it can, but but it actually can. So um, being more diligent about having good nutrition is important when we are exposed to radiation so much every day we don't even realize it and i actually will be doing an episode about radiation specifically emf waves because we are discovering how harmful they are to us and they are starting to harm kids and kids are getting issues as a result of emf waves you probably uh remember hearing like a week or two ago in the news about the 5g rollout and how pilots were petitioning to stop that because it was going to interfere with some of the instruments that they use to land a plane. And so obviously that is a big issue, but, um, you know, 5G and other EMF things that emit, em, emit EMFs 
also pose a threat to our health. Um, And I think it's really important to be aware of that. So I'm in the process of like reading some books to kind of educate myself about that. And I do want to do a full episode about it. Um, But just like to say for now, um, the best thing you can do on a daily basis at home is to unplug your modem every night before you go to bed. I know that seems weird, but by unplugging that at night, it shuts down a lot of radiation that is happening inside your home. So you're able to get a good night's sleep where your body's actually able to fully rest and repair. Um, And I mean, it definitely changes your quality of sleep. I just kind of started working at reducing my radiation exposure. Like I don't have any Wi-Fi boosters in my room. Um, I've been trying to turn my air, my phone on airplane mode at night before I go to sleep. So that shuts down um, any EMFs that it may be emitting. Um, so there are things that you can do to kind of reduce your exposure and at least do it while you're sleeping because you're not going to be using your Wi-Fi or internet uh, when you're asleep. And this way your body can actually sleep. And, it, and again, like I said, it changes your quality of sleep. You may not realize it, but even simply turning your phone on airplane mode and making sure you have no connected device in your bedroom will even do wonders if you don't want to like unplug your modem at nighttime. But again, that's such a simple thing to do. Just unplug it. And then when you get up in the morning, you can plug it back in. And I also mentioned um, Apple Watches. And I have an Apple Watch. And I've, I've always kind of known that because it's a connected device that it probably wasn't great. But it was like, oh, let's just not think about it and let's keep wearing it. But I recently was reading an article that talks about how Um, Apple watches specifically, um, they actually mess with your heart rate. And so we wear them when we're working out and how it's like super important to have a good heart rate um, when we are working out our heartbeat and our watch interferes with that. So I actually stopped wearing my Apple watch completely now. Um, It is a little weird because I was so used to kind of being connected to my phone and having like my clock right there. Um, But it also feels really nice to like have disconnected from my Apple Watch and know that like, oh, if I left my phone in the other room, I don't have to run in there because it said on my watch that I got a text. Like I just kind of forget about my phone and it's it's really nice. Um, And I just now I'm going to have to wear a traditional watch, an old fashioned watch so I can at least have the time on my wrist. Um, but it was kind of like a nice disconnect that I've done. Um, and so if you have an Apple watch, maybe try not to wear it when you're working out so that you don't interfere with your heartbeat while it's, you know, working hard, um, and pushing itself while you're active. So now we're going to talk about how to be kinder to your liver. The number one thing, the number one most important thing that you can do for your liver is to cut down your fat consumption. So you would want to consume no more than 15% of your daily calories in fat. And that 15% should only be from healthy fats. And just because you're eating healthy fats doesn't mean that you can eat more than that 15%. So 15% is like the max that you should have in a day. And that 15% should... Um, include only healthy fats. So you don't want to be consuming any unhealthy fats at all, which I feel like that's kind of obvious. And if you don't, so if you don't make any other changes to your diet and you just do the one change of reducing your fat intake to 15%, it's going to do wonders for your health. And your liver is going to be able to kind of let go of some toxins and kind of get a moment to rest. 
And you can even go a week or so at a time without eating any fat at all, so having 0% fat for a few days. So now I'm going to talk about foods that help the liver. So these are going to be foods that you're going to want to consume every day. Obviously, you don't have to consume all of these foods every day because there's a long list, but you can at least try to consume, you know, a good amount of them every day um, or, you know, have a good variety throughout the span of a week of all of these foods. So if you reduce your fat consumption and then incorporate a lot of these fruits and vegetables that I'm going to name off, you'll start noticing that you feel a lot better. So we have apples, apricots, artichokes, arugula, asparagus, Atlantic sea vegetables. So these are like seaweed, um, but specifically kelp and Atlantic dulse flakes, bananas, berries, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, carrots, celery, cherries, cilantro, coconut in small amounts, although coconut water is not a fat, so you could consume large amounts of coconut water. Cranberries, cruciferous vegetables, so this includes kale, red cabbage, radishes, cauliflower, watercress, collard greens, and mustard greens. Cucumbers, dandelion greens, dates, eggplant, and eggplant's often shunned because people think that it's a nightshade and they think that nightshades make autoimmune issues worse and inflammation worse. But um, the notion around nightshades is actually nightshades is actually a myth. Um, they're super healing, so you don't have to be afraid of, of nightshades. Figs, garlic, grapes, hot peppers like cayenne, habanero, bird's eye, jalapeno, and poblano, sunchokes, kiwis, Lemons and limes, mangoes, maple syrup, melons, mushrooms, onions and scallions, oranges and tangerines. Tangerines are like my favorite right now. Papaya, parsley, peaches and nectarines, pears, pineapple, pataya slash dragon fruit. It's referred to as both. Pomegranates, potatoes raw honey, sprouts and microgreens, sweet potatoes, tomatoes, and again, sometimes tomatoes are given a bad rap because they're a nightshade, but you don't have to worry about that. They're very healing. Turmeric, wild blueberries. Wild blueberries have so many more benefits than regular blueberries, so if you eat a lot of normal blueberries and you're like, oh, I'm good, you should still try to incorporate wild blueberries, if not eat wild blueberries more often than regular blueberries, um, because they just their nutrient level is just so much more concentrated than regular blueberries. Winter squashes, so this includes things like butternut squash, acorn squash, spaghetti squash, all the squashes, and then zucchini. So that's a pretty long list of foods that you can eat to improve the health of your liver. So it's not like you're going to get bored. There's plenty of stuff to try and different ways that you can prepare some of those foods. So trying, again, trying to eat more of those foods and less fats um, is gonna be the best thing that you can do for the health of your liver, which is gonna just improve the quality of your life because you're going to feel better. So in combi compiling this episode and kind of me personally being reminded about how remarkable the liver is, 
Um, cause sometimes, you know, I forget tidbits of information, um, and then I go back and reread and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. It kind of, the liver reminded me of the book, The Giving Tree. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's by, um, Shel Silverstein. And it basically is about this tree that gives this boy everything that it has. It starts out by giving it the apples from the tree and then it needs the branch, like gives it the branches and lets it cut it down. And eventually by the end, it's like all that's left is, is a stump. And the liver is kind of like this, like it reminded me of this because the liver literally will give every single thing that it has to keep us healthy and to keep us going. It will take the short end of the stick all the time just so that we can keep living our lives um, and not even realize that maybe something is going on. Like that is how remarkable the liver is. It kind of takes the hit every time and we don't even know or we're not aware. Because like I said in part one, the liver isn't really an organ that we think about much. It's not an organ that gives us reminders that it's there. Like like I had said, our heartbeat. So we can feel the changes in our heartbeat when we're walking versus when we're running. So it gives us that reminder that, oh, it's beating for you. We know our lungs are there because when we take a deep breath, our lungs fill up, our chest moves. Um, our We know our brain is there. We know when our thinking is a little slow because we're tired. And we know our gut is there. We can feel it making noises. We know when we're hungry. We know when we're full. But how do we know that our liver is there? It doesn't It doesn't give us any obvious signs. And so I really hope that listening to these two episodes about the liver, that you really become more aware of it and more aware of the choices that you're making and how it affects the liver because the liver is such an important organ. Um, I remember when my grandmother was fighting lung cancer and the lung cancer was shrieking, shrinking and it was kind of in a few other parts of her body, but the doctors kept saying that as long as it doesn't get to her liver or her brain, you know, she's going to be fine. And I mean, of course, like I was like, that makes total sense because if cancer gets to your liver and your liver isn't able to process out toxins, like, yeah, you're going to, your body's going to become toxic and you won't be able to live anymore. Um, and, and it did end up going to her liver and I just, just me knowing how important the liver was, um, was, it was just really sad to see. So I, I don't want anyone to take advantage of their liver, especially when you can do things that aren't that major on a daily basis to protect it and allow it to keep your health as in tip top shape as you can. So what are some ways that you're going to change your eating habits to benefit the health of your liver? Hopefully now you can reflect on that and, and again, make some positive changes. That's really what I wanted to come out of these two episodes. And also, if you have a chronic illness and you feel like no matter what you do, it doesn't get better, I hope now you kind of have some insight that, oh, maybe it is kind of something to do with my liver. Me having Lyme disease, Lyme disease is a virus that kind of hides itself out in the liver. And if you aren't taking care of your liver, it's going to get worse. I never monitored how much fat I was eating in a day. I loved covering roasted vegetables in coconut oil because I thought coconut oil was good for you. And I was putting multiple tablespoons on roasted vegetables, which was so, so bad. And and no wonder I kept getting so sick and nothing I did seemed to work. So I hope that others who have something, whether it's a thyroid issue or lupus or shingles, that 
you're like, oh, okay, I'll start taking care of my liver and watch your symptoms improve. Um, it's, it's definitely an amazing feeling. And if you listened to parts one and two and you feel overwhelmed and you feel like you need some one-on-one -on -one guidance on how to improve the health of your liver, I would love to work with you one-on-one. -on -one. So shoot me an email at tdnutritioncoaching at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.